When you see a group photo that you know includes you, what's the first thing you always look for? What? You? <laughs> you? Look for me, right? <laughs> I mean, isn't that our natural thing to do? Like, oh, wow, look at all these wonderful people. Don't care, where am I? <laughs> yes, why do we do that? Why, why is that our nature? Self-righteousness? Ouch. Because I'm a sinner, according to Andy. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, isn't that, I mean, the, the core of it? Like, how do I look in this picture, right? And yeah, that's kind of, you care about that about any picture of you, right? You know, how do I look uh, in this picture? We care about what we look like. Right, um, we can, and and probably the the maybe the the more core thing of that is we care about we care about what we look like in the picture, right? Because we care about what other people think of us. Isn't that right? Um, <clears throat> you know, you always you you find those pictures on uh, Facebook that you uh, you know uh, remove that tag. Uh, if I could delete it, I would. Um, you know, when somebody takes a bad photo of you and you know it's a bad photo of you, I'm not saying that there's not somebody in my life who begs me all the time, do not post that, right? Um, but you've, <laughs> you've done that, right? Don't, do not post that because you know what it looks like. You just hate that idea of some, of some bad picture of you floating out there that people are just going to think that you're ugly, right? Um, and maybe it's true, but, you know, you don't want people... You don't want people to think that. You want to be represented well. That's the, that's what it comes down to, right? You want to be represented well. Like, do I look good? Um, and that's just that's that's natural to us, right? That's just that's just a little bit of the vanity that's kind of built into all of us. There's n I don't think there's anything like necessarily good or bad about that. That's just uh, that's who we are, um, and so that's how we operate. Um, we care. We care about those things. Like we want to be uh, presented to the world at large in a way that um, we are happy with. Let's just say that, okay? Um, and so, I want to um, I want to show you this. So let's see if we can we can pull that up. All right. Uh, what is this? Jesus, Jesus, that's hey, that was a right answer. Um, this, this is a painting. Who's ever seen this painting before? Okay, if you if you know this painting, don't spoil it. Okay, uh, anybody know what this painting is called? <laughs> right there, gotcha. Um, yeah, ecce homo, right? It's Latin. It means uh, behold the man, right? And there's actually uh, quite a few paintings with that same, the same look, the same style. Uh, that are f that are uh, very much like this. It's a it's a a picture of Jesus, uh, basically, um, kind of right before his crucifixion. He's got the crown of thorns. Um, it's a very common pose, very common uh, uh, picture in this uh, art style. Well, this this particular Ecce Homo uh, was painted in the 1930s in a little Catholic church uh, in a little town uh, in Spain. 
okay? And so it's nothing very, there's nothing particularly uh, important about this one or any real reason in and of itself that you would even know uh, what this uh, painting is. Uh, but this is kind of what it started to look like over time. So it's like moisture in the walls and, uh, and just natural weathering and things happening and life happening basically. This painting uh, started to, to degrade uh, quite a lot and flake off the wall of this church where it was. So it started to look like this. So not so great anymore, right? Um, until 2012, when a little old lady who wanted this painting to look better, she wanted to get this thing restored, went to work on it. So I want to read you uh, the story about this. So <clears throat> this is from a news story at the time. A case of suspected vandalism in a church in a northeastern village in Spain has turned out to be probably the worst art restoration project of all time because this is the end result. <laughs> An elderly woman stepped forward this week to claim responsibility for disfiguring a century-old Eche Homo fresco of Jesus crowned with thorns in Santuario de la Misericordia, a Roman Catholic church in Borja near the city of Zaragoza in Spain. Eche Homo, or Behold the Man, refers to an artistic motif that depicts Jesus, usually bound in, uh, with a crown of thorns right before his crucifixion. The woman, Cecilia Jimenez, who is in her 80s, said on Spanish national television that she had tried to restore the fresco, which she called her favorite local representation of Jesus because she was upset that parts of it had flaked off due to moisture in the church's walls. The authorities in Borja said, that, uh, said they had suspected vandalism at first. Why? <laughs> Uh, but then uh, determined that the shocking alterations had been made by an elderly parishioner. The authorities said that she had acted on her own. So this is now Jesus on the wall of the little Catholic church in Borja, Spain. Um, now, ironic little epilogue is that it actually has created this huge uh, like tourist wave uh, to this church in the years uh, since, which has like, created all kinds of money for this church in this little town. So there's, a, there's an upside uh, to this. <clears throat> but oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yikes, right? From, let's go back. Can you step me back, Corbin? Step back to that first one. From that to that. Ouch. Now, I want to say that for better or for worse, right, you and I are the ones painting the picture of Jesus that the world sees today. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says something really extraordinary in this passage, and I want to read all around it. So we'll start in verse 17. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So there's something that we talk a lot about, and I even like to talk about it, and it's really important, and that's trusting God, right? A lot of our path, a lot of our journey, a lot of our growth, our spiritual depth has, comes in the form of learning what it means to trust God, to give ourselves over to God, to let him have the control, right? We talk a lot about that. There's a lot in scripture about that. But there's an extraordinary thing that I think is revealed in a language like this uh, that is remarkable. And this is what has taken place on the other side of that. And that is God trusting you. Do you think about how much God trusts you? So Paul uses this language. We are the ambassadors of Christ in the world. That's a lot of trust, isn't it? So we know what an ambassador is, right? An ambassador is one who is sent to represent an official or a government or some kind of entity to another entity, right? And so the ambassador basically carries the message and the identity uh, and the, um, who, who they are representing, representing with them, right? So Christ spent his ministry talking to us about the kingdom of God. So, so many of his stories, so much of his teaching is, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. <clears throat> and I think what we have done with that sometimes, in some ways, is we've made that a thing that is far off. The kingdom of God is this thing that we don't know about and we're waiting to experience or we're going to go there someday. Um, but that's not how Christ taught it. That's not how he infused it in us. He said the kingdom of God is something that is right now. And the kingdom of God is something that is coming to us here, in this place, in this world, now that you are a part of. And God has said, as a part of that, I trust you to represent the kingdom of God in this world. You are my ambassador of that. And I believe in you. I believe in your ability to do that. 
that's to be trusted with something like that from someone like God himself is amazing, but it's also big. So that leaves the question for us, what kind of image are we representing to the world of Christ? As ambassadors for him, what do people know about the kingdom of God because of us? Now let's be honest. Let's be honest about that. What do you know that people know about this thing that we call the kingdom of God, that we call Christianity, or we call Christ followers? Um, I'm sure lots of you are not naive to what a lot of the answer to that is. Right? Um, for better or worse, I, I hang around... Um, some atheist communities, um, particularly ones that, that are online, and I just kind of see what, I just, I just always want to see what they're saying, what they're talking about, kind of subjects that are there. And it's probably not surprising that so much of what is talked about when it comes to Christians is, well, here's how a Christian mistreated me. Here's the terrible experience that I had with a Christian. Well, here's another Christian that's being a massively horrible hypocrite. Well, here's how Christianity is not representing what they say. That, you know, and on and on and on and on, right? Um, that's not surprising, though, is it? Are we a people who condemn the world, or are we a people who love it? What does the world know about Christians, right? You hang around, you hang around people who are not kind of infused in our community or whatever, and they're people who are pretty well versed in what we're against, right? Let me propose an alternative. What if people saw Christians, regardless of whether they agreed with their beliefs or not? as the people you could always count on to be open and loving. What if that was the role that Christians carried out in this world? What a thing that would be, right? <laughs> Isn't that the reflection of Jesus? Isn't that in the first and second greatest commandments? Love God and love others. And if people were described like that, what, what would it be like? Man. <clears throat> I'm not sure Jesus is the Son of God, but I sure do know that Christians have gone out of their way for me. What if that was the story that was being told in atheist communities? Jesus knew. Jesus knew what the result of that kind of thing would be. He even said it in John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, 
that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Even Jesus knew that carrying out this mission of love is the only way that the world will truly believe that God has sent him and that he is real. So I wanna ask again, is this the image that we are giving to the world? Right? You know, that's why I love, I love these stories. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for that. And I, that's why we tell these stories every week, right? Is so that we can see this kind of thing in action. This is what we're about. We're about loving and blessing this world that we're in, not condemning it, not living in this this caustic opposition to it, right? We are drawn from it. We are told, we are taught, and we believe, and we even spent a whole semester, right, how we, how we are different from the world, how we kind of swim against the grain of the world. But we love it all the same, right? So thank you for these stories. So Jesus is calling us to higher things, things that we can embrace and demonstrate. And I believe this. Ephesians 5 describes this. And this is, this, is a, this is challenging teaching for us, but we've got to hold on to it. Follow God's example, therefore, <clears throat> as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Hold on to those words. Walk in the way of love. Six words. That describes our mission, right? But here he says, he, gives, he, puts, some, he puts some flesh on that. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of, of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. 
but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Paul makes it clear, clear. If we are walking in the way of love, we will seek the better things of Christ. That's what we want. That's what our hearts will draw us to, right? And we won't make excuses for the things that drag us into the places like sexual immorality, impurity, obscenity, greed, coarse talk, idolatry, all of those things that, are, that pull us down into the mud and into the darkness and into the things of the, of, that we can, we can say are of the world, Right? but you are being made to be something different. Now, that's not Paul saying you've got to be perfect. You've got to make yourself perfect. You've got to be self-righteous, right? This is not any of those things. He says there is a better way, and it's the way of love, and that's the way that we have got to walk. And guess what that represents? When we live that life, not just to ourselves, but we live that life in the world. Embrace it. Move toward it. Want it. Strive for it. Work for it. It's why we call it discipline. It's why we have the community that we have, because we know that is hard. We know that it's challenging, and that's why we... We come together to empower each other to that, to challenge each other to that. Like we talked about last week in our purposeful relationships that we develop with each other so that we can move each other towards this kind of thing. But one of the unfortunate realities is that many of us, and me included, more often than I want to admit, when we step outside of here, we become indistinguishable from the world around us, don't we? And we know that. And we know that. Christ says, I have died for you to make you different. And what does that difference look like? We embrace the better things always, but we're doing it because of love. And because of that, we help move people toward the better things. We help represent the better things. Those better things are the light, the salt and the light in the world that Jesus says we are, right? Because they truly are better and not because other things are bad. And that's what we want to talk about. Um, you know, so, so you guys know I was, I was gone a couple, two, three weeks ago um, doing a wedding for a student I met at, at K-State um, that I met with for, for years. And it was, a, it was an extraordinary experience for me because well, one of the times, it was after we had been meeting maybe, I don't know, a year and a half or so, just about every week. He'd, he'd always get a hold of me like, well, when are we getting together this week? And, and I asked him one day, I just, just looked at him and I asked him, like, why do, you, why do we keep getting together? 
And because, I mean, you know, you want to read this list of the darkness. That's like kind of where he lived at the time. And so I was just curious, like, why he wanted to keep getting together with me. And he, and he looked at me, and he's like, because I know that you are a Christian who won't judge me. And that, that was really affirming, but it was heartbreaking at the same time. Because you know what that says. And I already knew what his story with this was. His whole perception of Christians and his experience with Christians were the judgmental people that completely write people like him off. And it hurts to know that. It hurts, right? But we can be something different than that. <clears throat> we can interface with the hard things, with the dark things. You know, there's a, there's a story of I've told a couple times, maybe. Um, this is also from my K-State days. I won't tell stories about you guys. Um, but I was, uh, I just woke up late at one night <clears throat> out, of, out of bed. It was late on a Saturday night. Um, and I just had this thing in my head, like, I've got to go to, this is in Manhattan, Kansas. There's a, kind of their equivalent of six trees called Aggieville. Um, and so I'm like, I've got to go to Aggieville, and I've got to find like this group of girls that I know are there tonight, because I had been around some people earlier in the day, and I just kind of heard some rumblings of like some people going down, um, which is, I mean, people do that all the time. Um, but I just like, I got to go to Aggieville, and I've got to find them. I don't know why. Um, so I like, got dressed, you know, 11:30 uh, at night or something like that, and. And I drove down there, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. It's like this whole big area. Now what? Um, and kind of I'm just standing there on the sidewalk, and I see one of them, like, walk into the door of one of the bars down the street, just, like, the back of her head, you know. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> so I ran down there. And, and I went in there, and, and that, like, there they were, like, four or five of them. And they're like, Carrie. And I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Why are you, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm here <laughs> to hang out with you. Like, okay, let's go. So we like bar hopped the rest of the night. Um, That's <laughs> weird. And, and so later in the night, I'm like, okay, well, it's good seeing you guys. Went home, went to bed. Uh, went to church <laughs> the next morning. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, uh, I was with one of those girls several days later, um, and we were talking. And you know, you don't you don't know why things happen. You know why things go like they do sometimes. But she she turned to me and was like, "I'm so glad that you showed up the other night." Uh, because I was, I was planning to do some really terrible things to myself that night. And I think you might have saved my 
He might have saved my life that night. And, uh, man. So, you never know. You never know what you end up representing by letting Christ move you in ways that you don't know why, even sometimes. Walk in the way of love. Walk in it. And you'll give the world an indisputable picture of who Jesus is. Not the mess that we've kind of made of him, right? Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me read that one more time. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, this is going to lead us into our, <clears throat> our time of communion tonight, because that's exactly what this is about, right? This body, this flesh, and this blood um, is the picture of Christ, you know, not the, the goofy, laughable thing, but this very serious picture of Christ, the one who loved you so much while you were, what, still a sinner, that he went all the way to the cross, and he says, you are crucified with me. Your, your self is also on that cross to be made new in resurrection of your soul, of your identity. Right? And that's what we carry with us, this new thing. And so I want to I challenge you, if you want to, um, this is purely voluntary, I want you to turn to somebody near you um, and even if you don't know each other very well. Um, and I want you to talk about um, what is, what is a, an opportunity that you have had or you think that God is giving you to represent him in some way in that way of love, just in the world that you're a part of on a regular basis. Let's spend a couple minutes doing that. If you just, if you want to uh, stay by yourself, totally fine, totally fine. Um, but talk about that with each other for a couple minutes, and then when you're ready, let's come to the table. Uh, take uh, take the the bread and the juice, which is the body and the blood of Christ, and just say to yourself, um, "This is the picture of Christ that I want people to see," and take that. Um, and then we'll continue uh, with our worship after that. So, turn to each other, talk about how you have 
the opportunity that you have had or you think God is giving you to represent him in this way of love and then come to the table. Let's do that.